and welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Mio Cosmetic Cases are the preferred safety touch-up system for pro makeup and hair artists. As makeup and hair professionals, we are constantly having to carry an endless amount of products in our kit, always in search of new ways to condense our kits and increase efficiency on the job. Mio Cosmetic Cases offer on-set touch-up kits that hold multiple types of makeup helping you save valuable touch-up time on set, keeping your makeup safe and hygienic for talent, and significantly lightening your travel and set bags. They also offer depotting storage palettes in various sizes that assist to reduce weight and bulk in professional artist kits. A committed and globally verified environmentally conscious company, Mio Cosmetic Cases allows you to feel empowered that when using our products, you are committing to save the planet one small act at a time. Join the Mio movement today at myocosmeticcases.com. Mio Cosmetic Cases, meticulously designed with pros in mind. And now, our feature presentation. Okay, it's Oscars time, and of course, the Last Looks podcast is all up in that business. We have five bonus episodes where I'll be catching up with all five teams nominated for their superb makeup and hair work. All teams ask the same set of questions, but of course, they all have very different answers. The Oscars makeup and hair lineup for 2023 is... All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. The 95th Academy Awards will be presented at the Dolby Theatre in Los Angeles on Sunday, March 12th. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast, guys. It really does take a lot to get all these teams together to be able to bring these bonus episodes to you. With everyone working and shooting all over the world, as you know, it's hard. It certainly takes time and effort, so for that, I'm thankful to you, the listener, and all my guests. And a big shout out to our sponsors. We thank you for your continued support. Sponsors of our Oscars special episodes are Hands Down Refresher and Sanitizer, John Blake's Wigs and Facial Hair, Lux Skin FX, Melanie Mills Hollywood, and Mio Cosmetic Cases. I hope you enjoy these special episodes as much as I did putting them together. Picture Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Well, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film The Whale. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's do some introductions. If you could each tell us your name and what your position was on the team. My name is uh, Adrian Moreau. I designed the character of Charlie, supervised the uh, fabrication of the prosthetics for the makeup, and applied it on set with the help of uh, Kathy C. and Anne-Marie Bradley. My name is Anne-Marie Bradley, and I was the hair department head on The Whale, and I did Charlie's wig and hair on The Whale. Awesome. That's amazing. So I always love to know how this goes down. On the day that the nominations are announced, 
Are you guys watching the announcements? Are you trying to busy yourself with work? Are you even paying attention that this is happening? So Adrian, tell me, how did you find out you had been nominated? This time around, I, uh, well, I, I'm on the West Coast, so the nominations came in really early. And yeah, it's crazy. At that time, <laughs> and like it's at 5.30 in the morning, and I was not uh, on, like, looking at the screen, waiting for that. We're working right now on three shows at the uh, the shop, so uh, I was working late the night before at the shop, as I always do. Mm. And I was sleeping, and my alarm clock rang at 6 o'clock, and I grabbed my phone shortly after to uh, to look at what my work schedule was with all the different production that we're working on yeah and uh, and i had a text message from brent fraser who was uh congratulating me for the nomination was which was very nice of him and then i immediately i was like oh my god this this morning so i went online to look if he was nominated mm-hmm. uh so that i uh i could either say like ha, 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 loser you didn't get in <laughs> or or say uh, so say congratulations back to him Nice. An educated response. (laughs) (laughs) And Anne-Marie? I actually, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to, she was finally off for a day and she said, do you want to go get a manicure and a pedicure? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And then I realized it was the day they were making the announcements. And I said, "Uh, uh, you know what? Actually, no, I can't go. Why don't you come over and have coffee and we'll watch it. And so I was actually watching it live and it was pretty fun to see. And I was really excited, mainly for Adrian and all of us, but mainly for Adrian and for Brendan that all that and Hong and for just yes. that all of that work came together and that was actually being recognized. Oh, that's so cool. I love that you watched the announcement. And it's, I mean, God, it, because it starts with W, it's kind of the last one that got read out, right? So you're like <laughs> waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'm not a really reactive person right away. I'm always a little on the shy side. So my husband was watching on FaceTime with me and mm. I was like, oh, wow. He goes, oh, nice response. <laughs> he goes, way to be excited. <laughs> cool as a cucumber. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's awesome. I would love to hear more about the character Charlie. So makeup and hair wise, I'm from research and development, like through to daily applications. So if you can talk us through that, that'd be awesome. It it was kind of interesting because Darren, from what I read in interviews that he gave, Darren Aronofsky, our director, this is the fifth time that I work with him. And he said in interviews that he was the second call that he made after they had signed on Brandon on the show. So I don't know if that was the truth. But anyway, he gave me a call and we were right at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. And so everything was shut down. Uh, we were really uncertain of how things were going to develop in the future. And Darren always works with the same group of, of people. Like it's always the same group of collaborator, whether That's it's... Cool. Uh, yeah, because it becomes a family over the years. So whether it's a production designer, the makeup team, uh, the DOP. Uh, uh, so it's always the same group. And he was, Adrian, uh, we have a, a golden opportunity here with the um, with the pandemic that just arised. And I was like, oh, what is that? Well, I have a small project. <laughs> that's a, that's based on a, on a theater play uh, that all, that has like a very small cast, and I would like to shoot that really quickly. I would like to shoot that in five weeks, and because everybody, the whole group is available right now, all their production's been shut down, so everybody's available. Can we do this? And I was like, well, what is it? And then was, he sent me the script, and he sent me a link to a, a version of a theater play from which the movie was based on. So I quickly glanced at the uh, theater play. And then I read the script and I was like, whoa, okay, that's 
that's pretty involved. But immediately my mind went into sort of like troubleshooting uh, mode because I was like, well, five weeks, how can we, how can we do this? And I was like, okay, we could use all the kind of tricks that you've seen in countless movies before, like the, the long sleeves, the high collar, some sort of like a crude padding underneath. And I was like, well, maybe we could do something like that. So I started like putting pictures together as a, as a basic research, as I always do. So sort of like do a, a lookbook, if you will, yeah. that I could send, uh, that I could send Darren so that we could start our conversation with that. And then, like, I'm pretty well-versed in terms of makeup history and what's been done because that's all I do in my life. I'm a complete nerd loser that I have no life other than, than, than makeup. Uh, so I, I, I don't know, know if that comes into the category of loser, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> I would I'd say no. <laughs> it sounds more like an, it's a passion. <laughs> yes, very, very, very much so. Uh, yeah. But, but you know what? I've been doing this for 30 years. I could have secured cancer three times over, and I just did monsters uh, and makeup for movies. I, I, don't, I don't know which category that, that qualifies for us. But anyway, I started looking at all the, the makeups that were done that were somewhat similar to what we had to do for the movie. Mm. And it was like, although I knew most of those makeups very well, something that I'd never noticed really came super clear immediately. I was like, oh my God, like all of those movies where those kind of makeups have been done in the past were always done where the character, it was all the, always like a crude comedy, right. so to speak, where the character was the butt of the joke most of the time, or it was a sci-fi movie or horror movie where... It's going to be the X-Men where the character is the blob kind of right. thing. Once in a while, there's going to be like some sort of historical uh, recreation of sort. But even then, that doesn't happen too often. And, and not to the extent of what Charlie was. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy that this is always the circumstances in which those kind of characters have been portrayed before. And it wasn't the case at all with The Whale, which I assume you watched. It's far from that. So that became like immediately very scary. Not, o- not only the fact that the character that we had to do even before talking uh, a little bit more with Darren was like the character was the main character in the movie. The movie is not a comedy of sorts. It's a heavy drama where our main actor plays with a small ensemble cast. So he's the only one that's wearing heavy prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And so the makeup that we had to do no matter what we, we would end up designing, it's weird to say that, but it cannot attract attention. It can't be distracting in any way by either being like, wow, look at me, how good this is, or like, which would be good, but bad in this case, or like if the makeup is bad, that also, that's also bad. It needs to be in a, a situation where you get into the movie, the movie starts, you see him. It might be a bit of a shock to see Brendan Fraser looking like that. But mm. within a minute, you need to forget about it. And it's not a, it's no longer about the makeup or what he looks like. It's about the character and what he's going through during that week. Yeah. And, and this quest for redemption. So it needs to be like that. Then I spoke with Darren the following day after reading the script. And I was like, okay, so what do you want to see? And he was like, well, we've been working already for months with a group called Busy Action Coalition, if I, if I remember. The, the name well and they had given them plenty of notes about 
people live with obesity and uh, and how how they dress, the conditions they live in often when they're that morbidly obese, all sorts of little notes. And they wanted to make sure that the movie was done right and not wouldn't fall in the same kind of uh, throbs that other movies have, have portrayed people living those condi- with that condition before. Yeah. So they want they want to make sure that it was done right and done respectfully and with empathy and because the the movie is all about that it's about redemption and and empathy and finding uh like faith in one another and and all that stuff so they didn't want it they didn't want this to be a joke and one of the things that darren told me was from all the studies that we've made with that group and what the 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 studies that we've made here at protozoa which is this production company Mm. uh very often people live alone with that condition end up having like clothes that are very sort of loose and with short sleeves and often they wear like either uh, jogging pants that are like shorts kind of thing so there's a lot of skin exposed and and there's no like high collar on the on the clothes because it's hard for them to get in and out so the less clothes possible is better uh, stuff with with a loose collar around it it makes it easier for them to take it o- above their head so all of that stuff and I was like oh wow and then he started sending me pictures of what they had in mind and I was like oh my god this is no there's no shortcuts here you yeah. can't do what other movies have done in the past uh, like there's it nowhere to hide there's no, there's exactly there's nothing to hide there and then he was like, oh and by the way there's a, this scene where i want him to go and take a shower i was like what <laughs> yeah. and i was like How, when do you want to shoot this again and, and he was like five weeks i was like then i got on my knees in front of the phone he couldn't see me but i was really begging as i was uh, canopying myself at the same time and i was like <laughs> and i was like please don't don't do this to me i can't do this in five like if you do this, you're gonna do a, a disservice to me and your movie. Yeah, we need to get this right. And and after talking with the producers, they ended up giving us like 12 weeks to do the build, which is not considering all the technical innovations that we've done for this movie is not a whole lot. And and how many breakthrough in terms of makeup fabrication was this is not a whole lot but it's still better than five weeks yeah tricky well do you want to talk a little bit about those innovations technically what you guys did to make it work sure there's a there's so much on this movie um <laughs> i had no idea how how much of a breakthrough this movie would be in terms of uh, well innovations and new techniques and stuff for many years like a lot of makeup effect shop have been working with uh, 3d printing on different uh, levels. So I'm enamored with technology in general, and, and I'm enamored for, for all the possibilities that it offers, not only in terms of speed and efficiency, but sometimes like you can, you come up with stuff that it allows you to do things that is unthinkable under normal condition or, or more traditional means. So I was an early adapter of 3D printing way back like 10, 12 years ago in the early, early stages of, and we, so we've been using 3D printing for doing different things like uh, fake animals or for doing dummies, for doing robot stuff, like in the movie Megan that just came out recently. But there was sort of like a glass ceiling to obtain subtle character makeup appliances because for all sorts of technical reasons there is a consistency in the technology. So if you're doing stuff with 3D printing because you're it's not a physical object you have to rely on how good and consistent your 3D printers are the kind of um resolution that you can obtain with the 3D printing mm. mixed with a scanner mixed with the with the sculpting tools on the computer there's a bunch of stuff that comes into play and it makes it very difficult to get like the the kind of finesse that that the subtle uh, character makeup requires in terms of not only 
in terms of sculpting, but just like stuff as simple that we take for granted with uh, with more analog methods, uh, like the thin edges that blend into the skin. With clay, it's easy. You just well, sort of, you know what you're doing. Yeah. But you but you can spread the the, the clay thin enough onto your positives so that it becomes as thin as a butterfly wing kind of thing, mm-hmm. or it vanishes into nothing. And then once once you mold your piece, if you've done your sculpture right and the mold is accurate with molding materials that are stable enough, then you get your pieces are going to be a perfect reflection of what your sculpture was, and then you'll get thin edges with the computer because of the fact that you're sculpting the computer, and then you need to make sure that it accurately prints it out at the right scale and that your resolution of printing and that the materials you're going to be printing with and that your printer is not going to warp and same thing with your positive and all those pieces are going to fit together properly yeah. and then that you're going to be able to to get pieces out of this. Like I said earlier, like a bit of a glass ceiling to obtain there. And I thought that everybody was sort of working on that and everybody was been in every shop were doing that with those kind of methods for a while. And that was like late in the game. But we've been doing very successful character makeup that were sort of like in-house tests for the past like two, three years. But, you know, like I'm, I'm a bit of perfectionist and every time I was like well you know like we can get better and on the right project we will use that for a real film and not just like tests that that we do for ourselves and then the well arrived and because we were at the beginning of the of the pandemic we didn't have access to to Brendan the producers were like no you can't really uh, we can't fly him in to your uh, to your uh, uh, shop to do a live cast or body cast mm-hmm. we can't do that uh, and I was like well what are we gonna do now okay can we scan Brandon? Can somebody go at this house and we're going to scan Brendan and I'm going to try something here. It's never been done before. I, we're going to do this in 3D. And uh, they were like, well, what do you mean 3D as a CGI? No, no, no. I'm going to I'm going to do all the sculpture. I'm going to do everything in 3D. And then I'm going to do molds from those sculptures. And then the, the, those three sculptures. And we're going to do prosthetics from that. And in the back of my mind, I was like, well, this is a movie for Darren. If I completely fail, I'll uh, like, he, he's going to forgive me and maybe call me back for his next project. Maybe. Uh, And anyway, it's a small movie. Nobody's going to ever going to hear about this one. So if I fail, like it's a no, there's no big, big deal. I called um, Dan Schrecker, Darren's uh, usual VFX supervisor. And I called him up and I'm like, Dan, do you have a scanner at your place or at your, at your studio that you could land Jeremy, our producer, so that you could go and meet with, with Brandon so that you you could go meet Brandon, scan him, and then they can send me the data, which uh, Jeremy did. He went and they scanned Brandon in his garage entrance with his dog running around. It was like the tail of the dog that I had to erase from the scan. <laughs> <laughs> the scan was a bit crappy and it's okay with the, the reference pictures that he took. I was actually able to get something that was very reasonable and able to work from. So I did the sculptures based from those scans and I was able to to do all the 3D printing. I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. Mm-hmm. but so we, so, so we finished the movie anyway. And I thought like, I was like, okay, well, you know, everybody's must be doing that. And the more employees that were coming to my shop afterwards, uh, new employees that, that are used to work in all, all different studio around town. And they were coming to my shop. They were like, oh my God, what are you guys doing here? Like, what, what are all this? How many printers do you have? Like, what's going on? This is like NASA here. And I was like, what? And that was systematic. Everybody that was coming to the shop were telling me that. And I was like, oh, well, clearly... Nobody else seems to be using 3D printing the way we do. 
But what made me realize even more that that was really out of the ordinary was I uh, was just talking about Megan like a few minutes ago. And we shot that in New Zealand. And while I was in New Zealand, Richard Taylor of Weta reached out to me and was like, oh, you're in town. Uh, Why don't we have dinner? So I went to have dinner with, with Richard. And I, you know, like if you think of a company that's at the forefront of technology and any sort of advancement like that, it's Weta Workshop. They're unbelievable the work they do over there mm-hmm. and stuff and and i started talking about this little movie that we had just finished with uh, darren just the whale and i started showing images of the work that we had done and he was floored by the quality of the work but then i started talking about how we made the prosthetics thinking like of course here at weta they they do that all the time that's Oh yeah, that's so. Uh, that's so. 2015, <laughs> you guys, yeah. and and, uh, and they were like, "You did what? How? We've been trying to do this for years. How did you do this? This is unbelievable." And I was like, "Oh my god, I need to shut up right now. This is <laughs> this is the first." And I was like, "Whoa, okay." And then I realized what we had here, and I was like, "Okay, well, if the movie goes anywhere, I'll start talking about it at that point." Yeah. Then there's the way the body prosthetics were constructed. People who have been doing those kind of makeups in the past have been uh, using foam latex for the most part when it comes to doing the body for a multitude of reasons. Because it looks enough like skin. It moves fairly well. But the weight of makeup, like the body prosthetics of that size would be inconceivable if you were to do something like that in silicone. Yeah. Already like a foam latex body prosthetic of of that size, it's already considerable in weight. Mm. Having done stuff like that in the past, you already think of like a 30 to 50 pounds easily. And that's that's heavy. But because I was like, well, I want to do something that's going to be, that's going to have like a consistency in terms of look, that's going to have the same kind of skin quality as the face and the extremities will have. Why don't we try to do this out of silicone, the full thing? Mm. That's one of those bad, good ideas kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, it sounds it sounds good on, on paper, but then you do it, and it's then it, it brings tons of problems. And I I, I truly realized the size of <laughs> of the blunder there by when we demolded the the first casting that we got out of the mold, even cored out at uh, we had done a a skin that was a cord at a, at a quarter of an inch. Mm. So it's pretty thin, mm. and uh, and we had built like an entire substructure. It was also interesting because we, uh, in order to get like the right amount of movement, like some people in the shop were suggesting, well, we could do like styrofoam pellets, which is often what's been used in the, those kind of paddings. And somebody else said, oh yeah, I've seen people using glass beads. Uh, somebody else uh, suggested beans, dried beans. Mm-hmm. And we tried all that. And then uh, one of the, the guys that was working in the, uh, the undersuit structure suggested like something called Orbeez. And those are sort of gelatin pellets that you, um, that you immerse in water. They, they kind of uh, blow up into like, they look like little gel of like marble, gel marbles. Yeah, I think I've seen them. Uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can pot plants in that. And now there's Nerf guns even that, that you can shoot that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and uh, the thing that's great is that they have the weight mm. and they also move like, like masses of, of flesh mm. because it's if it's encapsulated and so we did tests with that we and then we started building the entire like substructure uh that would go underneath the body prosthetics with that and it was 
amazing. It really moved well. But the problem is that because it's, it's water filled, we did a mix of uh, water and glycerin. So it wouldn't just like rot with time. Mm. But the, the problem with that is that it's super heavy, mm. especially at the size that we had. So we already had like a 50, 60 pounds just for that understructure that moved well. And then we had that skin. We uh, we opened up the mold. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, great. That looks great. And then we opened up the front. I was, oh my God, this is a beautiful piece. And then I opened up the bag and then it plopped on the floor and I lifted it up and I was, Jesus Christ. I was yeah. like, what, what are we going to do? This is insane. Nobody's going to wear this. Yeah. And at that point, we were at two weeks before the shoot. There was no going back. And that's what it was. So how, so, how heavy is this, Adrian, all of this together? So the full thing, like I said, the, the substructure is about between 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. Each arms were 15 pounds each. Uh, which doesn't sound like much, but tried to lift up 15 yeah, yeah. pounds. <laughs> uh, the legs were 40 pounds. Wow. The head was maybe five, six pounds. Mm. With the chest and back, uh, that was probably in the somewhere around between 225 to 250 pounds. 250 pounds. Wow. It's insanity. Uh, nobody else would have gone through that and not... <laughs> give me a serious beating <laughs> but brandon was incredibly patient and much to my surprise we also did like a lightweight version of the prosthetics mm. and that was we designed those for when ellie comes and visits him so like at the beginning of the movie you see him like he's a bit unkept he has like a unshaved beard mm. he's like his hair is a little bit all over the place and then that's the famous scene where he takes a shower. And after that, the first time that Ellie comes and visits him, he's a little bit more covered. Mm -hmm. He cleaned up himself. And we were like, for, for those days, we can have the lightweight version. Mm -hmm. And in the morning where we we were doing that makeup, Brandon came in. I don't, I don't remember what time we started. Like it was ours around like 3.30 or 4 in the morning. Yeah. So Brandon shows up and we're like, Brandon, we have a surprise for you today. You don't, we've been shooting for a few weeks at that point. And uh, I'm like, we have a surprise for you. We have a lightweight version of the body prosthetics. You're going to be happy. You don't have to suffer all day. Like, and he was like, oh, really? Okay. So we tried it on really quickly and we took it off and we started doing his makeup on it, on his face. Mm. And then we finished the makeup and Emery walked in and she, uh, she glued in a wig and she did a Brandon's hair. And then we were like, okay, let's, uh, let's get you in the, uh, in your cool suit and the body prosthetics. And uh, he was like, you know what? We're, we're going to go with a normal one. And I was like, huh? <laughs> why and then then he was like well i'm not gonna move the same way this is not charlie i've learned to i've i've found the character with the work that you've done mm. and switching that today is gonna throw me off yeah he'd been using it's, all that weight that he was carrying to his advantage i suppose that that's right i found that in some way kind of rewarding to see that a brilliant actor like brendan mm. who, who was giving such a performance day after day that the work that you've done is actually he's using it as a tool to create the amazing performance that he's that he's doing and that's almost the biggest reward that i've had on this movie i love that adrian that's so cool and what a journey to go on to get to that point that's very cool and marie do you want to talk a bit about the wig like is it a full wig or a partial or what what were you doing well, the first thing I wanted to say was that mm. my experience was a little bit different at the beginning. I met with Darren on Zoom and mm -hmm. we talked about the, yeah, I had read the script and I had never worked with him before. And I really liked all of his attention to detail. And he explained to me 
very briefly about what was happening. So when I first arrived, I knew that Brendan was going to have to have his head shaved. And I also knew he'd be wearing a wig and partial prosthetics, but I had no idea that it was so extensive and what was happening. And when I got there, I really, I could not believe my eyes. I could not believe how much work that Adrian and his team did and just how great it looked. And it was just unbelievable to me. And then, of course, I became like extremely nervous because I had never really put a wig over prosthetics like that and learned really quickly that I didn't want to, you know, compromise like what he was doing. Or sometimes, you know, when you put a wig on, you sort of play around with it and you sort of get the feel for where it belongs on the head and how it works. And I did have a wig we um, had made. We played around with a couple of them first. And then what worked best for me is that I wanted it to be placed in just the right spot because it was not a lot of hair. And we used some of Brendan's own hair on the top of his head and blended it in with... um, It was originally one piece and I kept trying to fit it to the right, you know, over the back of his neck and over the back of his head and then trying to get it in the right spot on his temples. And probably by day two, I just cut the thing into three pieces Mm. and I was like, okay, this is going to be the best way for me. So it was one piece that I cut into three pieces and the back part of the wig I like to put on first so that I could have like I could you know, see where I was at. And then I could always line up the temples on each side and then sort of blend it. And then where there were seams, I I had cut it so that the seams would be behind his ears and then covered the little seams with the extra hair that was there on the wig. And uh, so that was a lot easier because I didn't have to play around with the glue. And I was very afraid to ruin any of their work at all. Like, you know, once you put glue on something and you try to move it or remove it, then obviously I'm going to compromise what he did underneath. And that was terrifying to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't want to do I did that one day. One day I tried to move something and I learned really quickly. I was like, oh no, this is yeah. not happening. <laughs> Once it's down, it's down. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> yeah. that was so that really worked out a lot better. And then after I'm Adrian was very accommodating and really like was helpful. We sort of did some airbrushing, a little bit of airbrushing around to fill in some of the spots and to just to make it really look realistic. And you know, he sort of gave me my space a little bit Uh, I think you knew I was terrified (laughs) (laughs) and then in the end to finish it Darren wanted his hair to be very thin once he looked at Brendan and he kept saying I don't know I think thinner I think I think a little thinner I think thinner and I had already shaved a lot of Brendan's all of the hair on his side so that the prosthetics would fit over it Mm. but then on the top, he kept saying, could you take a few more pieces out? Could you just take a little more out? No, this was his his own hair and then part of the wig. So I just kept tweezing out hair. And then I went to my nose trimmers and trimmed out more hair until we just made it really like a very fine comb over. That's awesome. So when you say tweeze, you're not tweezing his hair out of his head, right? You're talking about the hair out of the wig. <laughs> um no, 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 no. She was, she was, she was tweezing out like hair one by one on the top of, of Brenda's hair. Seriously? The head, yeah. 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 Oh, oh my yeah. God. One by one. Yeah. He's a trooper. Oh my goodness. That sounds like some type of torture routine. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> you keep him occupied, like, look over there. Bang, yeah. bang, bang. <laughs> That's awesome. He was so good with everything. He just was like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. Just keep going. I was like, meanwhile, I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness yeah well done oh my goodness yeah you'd have to stay strong doing that one for sure so each year I always look at the nominees and I'm just like looking at all these different films and I'm like this it's all art but it's so many different mediums that everybody's kind of working in with the hair and makeup side of things so I'm always mm-hmm. interested to kind of get a feel of how you guys feel your work is different from the fellow nominees this year. Uh, I'm in awe of all the work that's being done for from all of I'm a fan of all those makeup yeah, artists to, to start with. Yes, absolutely. Like it's all there, there there's a reason why all those people are there. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's all brilliant work. And even like when you go to the bake off, you look at each one of the reels and you're like, oh my God, we don't stand a chance. Look at how good all that work is. And so what do we have this year? We have Black Panther. So uh, Black Panther, like obviously it's what we're doing is very very different the elvis there are some similarities but it's it's again it's a bit different not only like in terms of technology that we've mm-hmm. used uh same thing with the batman it's a bit similar but not not entirely uh, then uh, all quiet in the western front is completely completely mm-hmm. different than, than any of the other nominees so how is it different it's it's different just for all the breakthrough in terms of technology used. And also the the other thing is that our movie, if I'm not mistaken, is we're the only movie where the main character is covered really from head to t- the tip of their toes mm-hmm. and, and prosthetics and where that makeup, like I was mentioning at the very beginning, cannot be a distraction or attract attention or it's not, it's not trying to... And it's even more difficult when you're not trying to recreate some sort of a historical character mm. uh, because it's, it needs to be this anonymous character, which is Charlie, that you don't, you never heard until of until you you make the journey of walking to the movie theater and and, and watch what is his own mm. journey. So he's your neighbor, next door neighbor. Yeah. He needs, so he needs to look like the everyday man, well, so to speak, in a way that although he's that covered in prosthetics, you can't, you need to completely buy it and, and believe that character. And, and that's probably where it differs from everybody else. Yeah, yeah. He's not trying. And that I find is extremely hard to, to, uh, to pull off. So it's not only the differences in terms of, uh, of, like the technology that we've used, but it's also doing a makeup that's almost as perfect as I could get it on a daily basis so that it requires little to no CG cleanup afterwards. Mm-hmm. It looked like what you see on screen, that that's the way it looked in person. It was a very clean makeup. And and if it wasn't for his body size, that, that's, that's a bit out of the yeah. ordinary, obviously. You would have seen... Charlie walking down in a in a, a, sh- a shopping mall, and you wouldn't have looked at it twice. You wouldn't have thought of him of wearing a makeup of prosthetics. It it, it looked that real to the yeah, naked yeah. eye. Well answered. And the, I mean, the movies are all so completely different from each other. They're all different genres. They're yes, just completely that's right. Different. So, um, Anne Marie, I would like to hear from you. Is what your biggest challenge was during filming? Um. I think the biggest challenge was to be able to like what I had said about putting the wig and splitting, you know, making that decision to make the wig into three pieces so that it could accommodate, you know, the way his head moved and being able to show, you know, so that it would allow for 
you know, you could still see the movement in his neck and it wouldn't like lift up because he had quite a bit of padding, not padding, but silicone under there. Mm. So I wanted the hair to move as if it was growing out of his head, not just like, oh, here's your wig and it like bumps up. I think one of the differences of our movie to other movies too, when you, mm. with everyone that's worked behind the scenes a lot. We all always work together, but I feel like with this, it was almost like creating music in some weird way for lack of a better Mm -hmm. way to describe it. Like everyone had to really work together. Like each person's piece worked with the other person's piece. So Adrian and his team did so much work. And like there were at most times there was five of us on top of Brendan at all times moving everything. And then I really do feel like Darren was like a conductor, like waiting for everybody to have their portion done and happy with what they were doing at that moment before he shot it. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's a really unique experience. I think that we all get our time a lot of times when you're working and everybody has their, their own time and then you're working time with other people. But with this, it was just different because it was, you know, Adrian wanted it to be so realistic and we all wanted it to be realistic. And to make that happen, it all had to come alive together. And that took everyone working together to make that happen, I feel. Yes. So throughout your prep and shooting, is there a standout lesson that you feel like you learned, Adrian? <laughs> and don't, 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 don't do prosthetics out of silicone for your entire body. <laughs> uh, it's good. <laughs> potential career suicide well the, the biggest lesson here is really it's not so much about the work that we've done it's the it's truly the way people living with, with obesity have been portrayed in movies mm-hmm. before uh, that that was that's truly the biggest lesson out of this entire project and it's and it's very interesting to be working on the project like The Whale, uh, not only like because of the subject of the movie, just the title calls you to to analyze your own bias uh, views on the subject. And and it's yeah, so that's that's the biggest interesting thing for me uh, about this movie. I, I never thought that I would uh, that I would get that kind of lesson out of a project. But uh, I remember like in the in the last few mm. days of the shoot thinking never like now that this movie is mm. going to be out. Never in the future can movies like what we've seen in the past be done. It's not going to be accepted. It's a complete change of attitude uh, that will be commanded by the release of this movie. I like it. And it's, it's, I mean, you know, we always want to learn something and take away something from our experiences. So that's really awesome. I like it. We all know that it takes a team to get this stuff done. So now is your time to do a shout out to all of those that helped you on the project so take it away. Yes. Uh, well, I, I, I couldn't have done this movie without my partner, the, uh, the co-owner of the studio here, mm-hmm. Kathy C., who has supervised all the hair work at the shop, uh, supervised the fabrication of the body prosthetic. She was on top of it from day one. Helped me applying the makeup daily on, on set. Did it with me to help Brandon getting into the uh, the body prosthetics. Uh, stayed with me at night doing all the repairs. Uh, repunched hair one by one. Uh, she was there all the way through. Couldn't have done it without her. Chris Gallagher, who, who came to the rescue and gave us a hand applying the makeup as well. Uh, Michelle Bougie at the shop was my uh, right-hand man in terms of our direction. And Shane Shishborn on set that helped us getting uh, Brandon... Uh, 
in and out of the body prosthetics and help Brendan all throughout the day, pushing him around and helping him going to the bathroom. Thank God for all those. Yeah, amazing. And Marie? Well, I'd like to say Judy Chin is the person that brought me. She's uh, She was the makeup department head and she had worked with Darren on all of his films also. And she's the one that asked me if I would work with them um, and introduced me to Darren. And I felt that she was really supportive of me during the time, like when I was like a little bit nervous about the, the prosthetics and the, you know, the things that the, how the wig had to go over it. And she was very patient and just lent me like a little bit of confidence at the time. Robert Pickens had made the wig and Katie Gill came and did measurements for him to be able to make that. And I think that's it. That's awesome. I love it. Okay, guys. So a massive congratulations again. Uh, Being nominated for an Oscar is pretty cool. So enjoy the ride. And thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.